It's time for Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Welcome to Moment of Truth. I'm your host, David Moses. You're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa. That is 95.7 in Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto. And anywhere across the country, if you download the Radio Player Canada app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. I'd like to welcome my guest to the show today. We have uh, several people on the line with us for a very special Moment of Truth session and conversation. I have with me online a couple of people that uh, are here at the station with me. We have Jonathan Shaw. He's a creative and copywriter uh, here at Element FM. Our station manager in Toronto, Andrew Johnson. Uh, and also Julian Taylor has joined us and he is host for the, of the cruise here at uh, Toronto's 106.5 uh, Afternoon Drive uh, Monday to Friday. And we appreciate you you joining us along with uh, Cyrus Marcus Ware. And he is an, an activist. He's an artist, a community activist, as I said, and a, and a youth uh, advocate, uh, an educator. Uh, for 12 years, he was the coordinator for the Art Gallery of Ontario Youth Program. Uh, he's uh, currently the facilitator and designer for the Cultural Leaders Lab in Toronto's Arts Council and Banff Centre. And uh, he's, uh, he's, you know, really involved with, with he, actually one of the uh, originators, I believe, of Black Li- uh, Lives Matter in Toronto. So, Cyrus, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. And welcome to Jonathan, Julian, and Andrew as well. Hi, hi. Thanks a lot, David. Thanks. So uh, the reason all of you are here is that uh, we are talking about, uh, as everybody knows, uh, uh, the, the, the world is focused uh, on the, the recent uh, and, and terrible tragic death of, of George Floyd. It focused the world on this situation and it, it, it really uh, sent a chill, I think, uh, through everyone. And it has, it has spurred so much conversation uh, that was the start of it. Then, uh, just within the last uh, week and a half, uh, we've we had the situation in Toronto with Regis Krasinski Paquette that uh, that fell to her death, and that is, of course, still under investigation. And we're trying to get to the bottom of that situation. Having worked with Jonathan and Andrew, and also talking with them, and uh, what I would like to do, if you don't mind, guys, right off the top, is from each of you, uh, I'd like uh, to to have each of you. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, your background. Uh, each of you have, have black heritage, and uh, some of you have some mix, mixed heritage. And you each come from different parts of the world. And I think it's wonderful that, that, we've, that you have come here and that we're able to share these perspectives because I think it will give us a sense of how this is not limited to the United States, uh, the thing that we're talking about with racism. And, um, and, and we'll, we'll get into some of the stories that you can share with us later. Um, uh, but uh, Cyrus, can we start with you? Can you tell us a little bit about your background and your, your upbringing? Yeah, thanks so much. I mean, first of all, I'm speaking to you today from the southernmost part of Toronto. I live in, in right, right against the water in an area that Chief Stacey LaForme from the Mississaugas of the Credit uh, says is unceded territory, is, is territory that actually was underwater at the time of the Toronto Purchase and therefore not included. So I'm coming to you from unceded territory here in Toronto. Um, I'm a Black uh, mixed-race person. Uh, I am uh, my father and his family. My whole family is from Memphis, Tennessee, so we're from the South. We uh, spent 
generations on slave labor camps, uh, working uh, in uh, Tennessee and also in Mississippi. Um, before my dad eventually moved up to Canada, met my mother who's from here um, and from the, from the UK, who's white, and uh, you know began a family. So I've been uh, growing up between Weston, Mount Dennis, and Memphis, Tennessee, and um, I'm, I'm thrilled to be here to talk today. And it's a pleasure having you here today with us, and we, we thank you. Um, uh, Jonathan, Jonathan Shaw, could you tell us a little bit about your background and upbringing, please? Not a problem. Uh, Jonathan Shaw, my family migrated to Canada. Well, my aunt, more or less, migrated to Canada in 1953. She's the first immigrant Black nurse from the West Indies, the country being Jamaica. My family's been in the country since then. I am... Uh, I consider myself black. I identify as black. My grandfather is Indian on my on my on my mother's side. India Indian being from India, and I have a black and white heritage on my father's side. Hmm. Sure. Um, my father's father is from Nevis, a little island in the Caribbean, and my grandmother was from Jamaica. My father born in Antigua. My mom born here. Um, and she is a Mohawk from Kanawake, and as well, her mom, uh, her, her, her grandmother was from Barbados. Um, I was born here, and uh, yeah, I'm 40 some odd years old. I'm not, I actually can't remember how old I am, so my daughter usually has to tell me. <laughs> and um, I identify myself as a you know, Afro Indigenous, and um, certainly. I'm a musician. As you know, I, I'm a radio uh, DJ and host as well. And I've been many other things throughout my life. Um, yeah. Okay. And, and Andrew? Um, so I'm Jamaican. My parents immigrated to England um, individually in the 60s. And I um, lived there until from 86 to 89 and migrated into Toronto. Um, I've been in Toronto since. We have a small portion of Caucasian on my father's side, but I identify as black. Okay. Uh, you spent a great deal of time in Britain. I spent uh, on and off going back and forward. We stayed there for three years and then going back and forward for my entire life. We would go there every other year. But the main, one of the main reasons why my parents decided to go from the UK to Canada was for better opportunities for us, for education and race, because the racism in England is also extremely um, present. Can you give us a little more of a, of a sense of, of, of what that means? Uh, you know, what were some of the experiences that you remember from, from in Britain? Personally, I didn't have any experiences okay. that would kind of front in the racism. It's more so my parents growing okay. up in England mm -hmm. and dealing with um, you've got skinheads, you've got racist uh, people who kind of jumble because of the small Jamaican community that was where we were from mm -hmm. in that area of England. Uh, my racism and the stuff that I faced is more so in this area of Mississauga, Brampton, Toronto, and then even into Belleville. Okay. 
Um, you know, I'm glad you, you brought that up because that is something that we have now been hearing about. It's part of the conversation that's grown out of this whole situation that developed with the, the very tragic death of George Floyd and, and then the, focusing on the second incident with Regis. Racism in Canada, each of you have had experiences. You, you know, I remember talking with both Jonathan and yourself, Andrew, uh, about situations and about, um, about things that... Uh, perhaps the general public is not aware of that, you know, we keep hearing about, oh, Canada is different, but your experiences say otherwise. Who would like to start with something there? I know when I go to the States, I know where not to go and where to go. And in Canada, it's a little bit different. Canada is more of a, a place where, you know, okay, cool, you know, okay, he's black, I have to work with him, but I'm not having him over for dinner. I'm not inviting him to my wedding. I don't want him to date my daughter. I don't want him to mm -hmm. be around my son. Oh, we're doing a, I, I want you to DJ for me, but you know what? I want you to play a variety of music. Oh, okay, so you want some R&B, hip hop? No, 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 no. I mean, you know, a variety of music, you know, some some rock, some ACDC, some Led Zeppelin. You know, it, it's, it's more like that. It's, mm -hmm. it's more in the background. And mm -hmm. when you call somebody on it, that's when they get their backup. Mm -hmm. Oh. You know, you're or when you speak up for yourself, you're being boisterous. Oh, you know, uh, uh, Jonathan, um, you know what? You've been with the company for five, six years. I know you need a, a promotion, but you know what? Hey, we, we felt that you, you know, you're not ready yet. You know, we brought this other person in. Um, can you job shadow with that person and, and let them be your boss, but teach them everything, you know, it's more like that. Now, you're not the only person to say that. Uh, I remember seeing something just online the other day of exactly that same situation. So, yeah, that, that seems to be a common thread. Um, that, yeah, that and I, I think, you know, one of the things that we see is in the, you know, in the north part of Turtle Island is this fallacy that things are so much better here. I think that we've built uh, our identity, our Canadian identity on this superiority complex of thinking that things are better, that racism doesn't happen here, that white supremacy doesn't happen here. When, when you think about and actually look at what's happened in Canada over the last 500 years, you know, you see the creation of the RCMP directly as a, a tool and a force, you know, designed to clear Indigenous people from the land to force black people to do indentured labor, you know, to, to, you know, you see the way that there's been an insidious racism and white supremacy that has been here since the beginning of the founding of this so-called nation, right? That this is actually inherent. Uh, you know, one of the things that I remember being a kid is watching those heritage moment commercials. You remember those that would come <laughs> on TV and there was the, um, always the one about the Underground Railroad. And it would talk about how, you know, Harriet Tubman and, and you know, brought people up here and how everyone came up here and, and that's where the commercial ends, you know? And it doesn't talk about the fact that the Underground Railroad was actually a two-way railroad. There were people who left from here and went to the States because it was bad here too. And, or people who came up to Canada and then went back. That's not on the Heritage commercial, but that's a, as much right, an important right. part of our history as, as the rest. Right, thank you, Cyrus. Uh it didn't take long for us, even prior to getting this conversation started, uh, when you guys started to talk about stories. And, you know, I'm, I, want, I would like each of you to, um, to share some of this, because I think it's, it's, it's so vital that we understand what this must feel like, if, if at all possible. As children, at some point, had a conversation that your parents gave you and that you will be giving to your children. 
And it be- is because of the, the color of your skin that you have to share this. And um, I, I saw something similar to this online as well. Another similar story about uh, a, a, a guy who was outside. Uh, I think it was a TED Talk, actually. He was out uh, playing with his friends. They were having water gun fights. And they were in the parking lot. And they were having fun running around with the guns and shooting water at each other. And it was getting dark. And uh, he said his father came out and grabbed him by the arm and forcibly, he said, with a force that he had not felt uh, on his arm from his father uh, that scared him and brought him in the house. And he said, I'm sorry, son, but you just can't play the way your white friends can play outside. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things and I actually just had a conversation with my uh, 13 year old son that was more about how to handle yourself when you're approached by a police officer. It's the same conversation my dad has had with me and my brothers and a lot of the younger black um, kids in this area also have very similar conversations when it comes to how to talk and how to be respectful when you're being approached by a police officer, just solely because of how things get interpreted. We've, um, I've been pulled over and if you do not, even when you're in the right, you cannot kind of make any type of angry argument to your defense or anything like that. You must stay polite and you must um, keep your hands in front of you. No fast reactions, just little timbits of information that I was instilled in from my father. And I had to just talk to my son about it because of the climate of the world now about if you're pulled over while walking, which has happened to me. How do you address, always have some form of idea of where you live on you? Um, have your phone charged. It's just as simple as carrying your phone so that you know that you can get a hold of somebody if something happens. Um, it's a difficult, almost infuriating, confusing conversation to have with a child who says, well, it kind of takes away a little bit of the youth away from a child when mm. you have to have such a serious conversation. Mm. Mm-hmm. I can jump in. I can sure. say, you know, I mean, yes, like absolutely. This is not, this is, I mean, this is the reality that we're currently facing. We have to teach our children how to be safe from a, a gang of white supremacists that roam our streets fully funded. You know, that's mm. basically, I'll be bold and just say that. That is what is happening right now. We're seeing white supremacy inherent in the police force. And that's why we're see- hearing all of these stories about driving while black and walking while black and, you know, protesting while indigenous. You know, we're, we're hearing a lot of stories about white supremacy and about anti-blackness coming from the police force. And I don't know why we're, we're, we're even entertaining continuing this practice in our society. Now is the time to start thinking about things like defunding the police because because we, we, I don't think we should be having to, you know, have these conversations with our children at this moment. You know, it's it's really unjust and it's unfair. You know, our children should get to grow up in a world where they're free to play outside, where they're free to run with their friends, where they're free to do all of the things that they get to do. And it's so, it, it makes my blood boil to think that we have to, you know, clip the wings of our children in order to keep them safe from a white supremacist gang. Mm. And to uh, add on that, uh, the kind of the X factor that I have, my kids are mixed. My kids are half white. Um, so it's almost like a internal struggle with them I, that I can't understand because I've always been on the one side of the fence. So to see them and have them do different than 
anyone else that's fully white and fully black. It's such a weird and hard position to be in. And I really can't imagine how to do it. So it becomes a even more difficult conversation to have. I've, I've tried to have the conversation with my children. My son gets it, but doesn't get it because he's one of those children right now. He's a boy. And he's like, okay, hold on, daddy. You live across the street from a park. You've told me I'm not allowed to play in the park because of COVID. However, there's other people playing in the park that don't look like him, but they're not going to get a ticket. But two people down the road who are barbecuing and they have a couple of people just come by and wish them a happy birthday. The cops come over because somebody called and said they're not socially distancing properly. But those same people are the ones in the park. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So my son is only seven years old and he's trying to figure out or put sense to it on his own. And that is the problem. It's, it's, this, it's this double standard. It's this double talks, trying to sit down and, and talk to him. Even worse, as a driver, and, and, and Andrew, uh, um, I know that you probably face it as well, too. You have your kids in the car, even you too, Julian. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's just being in the car and you see the lights come up behind you. You have your children in your car. And all of a sudden, you start having post-traumatic stress disorder because you don't know one, what this, this cop is going to say to you. Two, what are they going to do worse yet in front of your children to scar your children for the rest of their lives? And for your children to look at you no longer as a superhero because you've been beaten down by a police officer or berated by a police officer in front of them for doing absolutely nothing besides just trying to go wherever you're going, not breaking the law, doing the speed limit, because obviously you have the children in the car, so you're even more cautious of not doing anything wrong. And it's those things that happen. And when you say this to even to, you know, um, the non-black colleagues or even to, to sometimes even a black women, they don't get it. They don't get it. And I'm trying to say to them, I said, listen, this happens every single time. We, we've been pulled over. We get, we get frisked. We get asked for ID for no reason. Can I look in the car? Can I see this? Can I do whatever? You know, if, you're, if, you're, if your taillight blows out and you're on your way home and you're going to get it fixed, are, you know, do you have to duck behind in back streets just because you're free? <laughs> and I don't, and I don't, want, I don't want to be that person. You know what I mean? I, I, I'm not a coward. I don't want to be afraid of people. I want to be able to say, yeah. I just want to be able to live. But even at my height, I'm, I'm 6'5", about 280 something pounds. I shouldn't be afraid to just walk the street. I shouldn't be. Our women mm-hmm. shouldn't be afraid to walk the street. Anybody, yeah. Any person of color should not be afraid to walk the street and just be able just to go where they're going and not be accosted, to be able to just have, you know what I mean, a, a birthday party, a birthday party, a son, a, a gathering, even just standing in front of my dad's house, a cop drives by, what are you guys doing? Are you serious? <laughs> well, for me, you know, um, growing up, I think that the, the most prevalent sort of way of seeing it for other people was when white friends would see it. In my life, when I speak to the police officers, um, being a black, a visible minority, it is very intimidating. I have to speak to them differently. 
I don't know if defunding the police completely is is the right answer. I mean, certainly the police are doing a pretty good job of, of stoking that fire and, and supporting that argument themselves. Mm. Um, but the police and, and law enforcement is, an, is also a very important service. And there are black police officers mm. and there are um, visible minority police officers as well. Mm-hmm. And the service is something that we do need here. I, I think that um, everybody in society would agree with that. I don't know how they need to, 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 to operate. I don't know if, you know, police officers need to be carrying weapons that kill people. Obviously, mm-hmm. they need to defend themselves, but who knows? I mean, like a rubber bullet scenario seems like a way just to stop, you know, to, to, to defend themselves. I understand mm-hmm. they need that, but... It's almost as if, like, you know, a high school bully, right? When a high school bully gets, you know, to a certain place in their mind, like, for instance, I'm, I remember some kid in, in high school got a job as a security guard and really took that to, to too far, you know, and abused that that position because they, they feel like they're higher and above everybody else. Mm. Um so it's a mental sort of mm-hmm. state that we're dealing with as well. I think that some police officers are out there and certainly they want to protect and serve and protect. And then there's other people that probably are there because it's, it's a power trip. Mm-hmm. And that happens yeah. in every industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. The difference in this particular situation is that they do have ways and means that can really harm people. Mm-hmm. You know, you'll get that dynamic where somebody in an office will be in a position of power and abuse that. Mm-hmm. But physically harming somebody is probably difficult in their situation, whereas in, in the police's situation, it is not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Julian, anything else that you have uh, on your mind that you think is important to share? Well, it's an interesting thing, you know, because... I've got a lot of, I, I, I grew up in a, in a neighborhood that was predominantly white. Um, and I've had conversations with some friends who, who've asked me like, you know, are we, they've even asked straight up, like, what's, what's, what's going on? Are we racist? I don't feel like a racist because I think that for white people, there's a, 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 a pointer, a, a finger being pointed directly at them, which is what should be happening because it's the truth Mm. and what i'm trying to do in my conversations is get them to understand a little bit more it comes down to this this whole thing that's like education um understanding and trying to relate to one another and and yesterday i had a conversation with a friend and she she just sort of asked that she, she didn't know and i'm like well look it'd be really difficult for you to know even because it's hard for me to explain and it's hard for me to even know until I look back at everything and, mm. and, and, and sort of digest it myself. And I, my way of trying to explain it to the, to her was like, look, I grew up in an area, you were there and there weren't a ton of black people there, but I was one of them. And there were, you know, a few others and maybe a handful, maybe about six black boys, me included. And when you think about it, and I've thought about it, I'm the only one left. And that in itself should be a clear indication as to what 
to a, a major, major systemic problem. If I'm the only one left, okay, one's in jail, three are dead, and then there's me, and there's actually, there's two of us left. And that, that's coming from a neighborhood where, you know, it was a, a, a lower to middle class, and, and then certainly I had upper class friends and, and whatnot. And if that's happening in that neighborhood, mm. imagine what's happening in a neighborhood that doesn't have that. And we talked about it, you know, if you drive in Los Angeles or anywhere in the United States, even here, you'll see that the gentrification and the signs that are on the wall, they may say the same thing, okay? You may see an advertising, advertisement for alcohol. As you're in, let's say you're in, um, in the hood mm-hmm. and you're driving in the hood and you see an advertisement. That advertisement for alcohol is much different than what you will see in Malibu. Mm. Maybe it might be the same, but it's, it's, it's sending a different message mm. and being marketed a different way. Mm. Um, and that's part of the systemic problem. Mm. You know, when I was growing up, I remember, you know, I'm sure Andrew, I, I think he was talking about the way to talk to police. You get told mm-hmm. by your, your folks really quickly how to talk to the police when you're a black boy. Mm-hmm. You don't, you don't agitate them whatsoever. I, 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 there was an incident where I was accosted by the police and they were called because I was trying to get into my own house and they came, I was with a friend, a white friend. And he was really annoyed by the whole thing. I, I certainly was annoyed by the whole thing, the police thinking that I was breaking into my own house. Mm. To the point where I, you know, had, had when I finally got into the house, I found my keys. I mean, we had, we were kids. We, we'd been out and at a party and stuff. So we weren't totally put together, if you know what I mean. But mm-hmm. um, still no reason to, you know, question me and, 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 and think that I was breaking into my own house. By the time I finally found my keys and got into the house, it's like I had to invite them in so that I could show them all the pictures that I planted of myself and this makeup family in the house. <laughs> That's how great wow. of a criminal I was. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. here's my family. I, right. I before you got here, I put these pictures in right. to the house so you could see them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, right. And he was my white friend was so annoyed, and he was talking to the police in a, in a way I'm like, I just nudged him and like, do not. Right. And, and the situation would have been a lot worse. And, and I know it. He knows it. If he hadn't been there, right. if I had been the only person there yeah. and not with my friend who was white, it would have been way, way worse. Yeah. I would have been arrested. They wouldn't even gone into the house to, to check. I would have been arrested. Mm. Yeah. And I, I said to my friend last night, I said, you know, here's a, here's a very good example of what white privilege is. Okay. You can go around and drive any car you want, any car you want. When I was a kid, you know, my dad had like, he he bought a Land Rover at Mm -hmm. one point in time. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times the police stopped us and just asked, is this your car, sir? Really? (laughs) Yes, it's my car. I appreciate everyone's comments that you've uh, given so far. Please don't go away because we will be right back with more right here on Element FM right after this. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. 
And uh, I just want to let everyone know that you're listening to Element FM in Toronto and Ottawa, 106.5 in Toronto, 95.7 in Ottawa, and anywhere across the country if you download the Radio Player Canon app and type in 106.5 ELMNTFM or 95.7 ELMNTFM and listen on your device of choice 24 hours a day, seven days a week. This is a special moment of truth that we are bringing to you, and it is with uh, members, uh, some members of, the, of the, the, the people that work here at Element FM. We have with us on Line. We have Andrew Johnson, and he is the 106.5 Element FM Toronto station manager, as well as uh, Jonathan Shaw, and he's uh, the Element FM creative and copywriter. And uh, it's a pleasure to have them, as well as, uh, of course, uh, Cyrus Marcus Ware, and uh, he is, of course, uh, someone uh, is one of the the co-team members of Black Lives Matter Toronto. Uh, he's also a visual artist, a community activist, and researcher, and youth advocate and educator. And it's a pleasure to have all of them here on this special uh, Moment of Truth presentation. We appreciate the comments that you have all made so far and and uh, wanting to share uh, the, the stories that are uh, vital to, to hear at this time. Uh, can I get a sense from each of you about the recent events? And we were all, I think, stunned by what we saw with the the, the the senseless killing of, of George Floyd. The, the video that we saw was horrific to watch. Um, and yet in the face of all this with people, you know, saying that he couldn't breathe with him, saying, I can't breathe, uh, this officer remains, uh, you know, on him. Uh, it, 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 and it has sent out this cry and why, of course, why we're having this conversation and part of that reason. But more than that, it, it, it seems to have spurred a lot of people to to come forward with the stories that we are now sharing and and also talk about allies and, and say that you know it's it's not enough um to you know put out a hashtag or or say you support it, it that isn't that isn't enough it, it's not enough to do that anymore it it's going to take some work if you want to be an ally you have to put yourself out there you have to do something um, Cyrus, as a member of the the Black Lives Matter, what was what was the you know again? I mean, I'm sure you know it's 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 almost redundant somehow to to ask this question. But what was what was what were you hearing from from people uh, within the Black Lives Matter once once these the, this happened? I mean, uh, fundamentally, we are just so heartbroken. And so, so, so disappointed, you mm. know, to still be do to still be here. You know, when we started organizing together in 2015, we had a huge uphill battle, really trying to get people to acknowledge that there was an issue with anti-Black racism within Canada, because that was something that not everybody was even convinced of, you know, at that time, you know, and it's it's so infuriating to to find ourselves here. You know, the way that the news media cycle works is you know, it's a very fast turning cycle. And so I think that people thought, oh, Black Lives Matter, that's done. We've sort of moved on to the next thing uh, without realizing that the, the conditions facing Black people haven't changed. Mm. And so I think that's what we saw with George Floyd's killing. And that's what we saw with uh, Regis Krasinski's Paquette's killing was, was that there, you know, these things were put right back in front of us again to say this isn't over yet. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a lot of work to do. Mm. And so, I mean, fundamentally, we, you know, are so just heartbroken for the families mm. of these people who have been killed, you know, recognizing that 
the death of Regis Paquette, you know, comes close on the heels of the 2017 mm -hmm. death of Amoset Hailey. You know, it comes close on on the heels of the killing of DeAndre Campbell. You know that these examples of Black people being, uh, you know, having um, being killed by the police or having, you know, negative interactions with the police that result in fatalities are happening all across this north part of Turtle Island. And so, you know, we're 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 rageful, we're so we're sorrowful, um, and we're ready to be to be active. Mm. Jonathan, um, you know, when you when I when I suggested to you uh, about this interview to come online, you said, yeah, um, you, you, the only comment you made was s said, you know, make sure I'm on seven second delay. And that gave me an indication <laughs> of, of of how you were feeling and rightfully so. Um, what were you what were you feeling at the time when when this yet again happened? That I'm part of an endangered species that is not protected. That's the that's the first thing I put up. Mm. I still have not watched any of the videos of this. Mm. And every time I see something like this, what I'm reminded of is incidents that have happened in Canada, such as Michael Wade Lawson 31 years ago, being shot by the police in, in, in Peel, by the Rama 11, whose anniversary was uh, full Royal Ontario Museum with the In the Heart of Africa exhibit. I'm reminded of these things all the time. I've never seen any of the videos and I don't want to see any of the videos. I don't want to have that trauma mm -hmm. in, in myself. Don't want to deal with, with having to see another person of color die at the hands of police because it, it, I walk with that. I hold on to that. One bad cop is one too many. I come from a long line of police officers because I saw all the foolishness that was happening. And I'm not seeing the other people in blue call out these officers and say, mm. hey, something's wrong. Okay, you kill a black person, you're suspended with pay or you're fired. Okay, you're fired. That doesn't mean that you can't go work for another county. That just means that you just got fired from your job here. I mean, you get people get fired from their jobs all the time. What do they do? They just go get another job. Right. And that's the problem. That's the problem. Okay, he got arrested. Wonderful. Oh, he's charged. Wonderful. What are they going to do? They're going to move that court case and move it to somewhere else. And they're going to try him in front of a, a jury that is sympathetic to police officers. And guess what? He's going to get off again. Mm -hmm. And that's what keeps happening. And I'm tired of it. Mm -hmm. This is something that is systemic. It's been going on. And it keeps coming back, as Cyrus, as you mentioned. It, 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 and, and there's, there is, it, it doesn't make sense that this should, and, and that anyone should have to go through, uh, you know, a daily routine, always uh, on, uh, on guard, uh, trying to, to always uh, have to just watch over your shoulder, and, and, you know, I, I've seen more and more of these stories that are coming out from, from different people and talking about it, which I think is, is great because it's raising that awareness that is needed. But as we as we go forward, especially in terms of there's a lot of the protests that are happening, not only in the United States and, and parts of Canada, but around the world um, with outrage on, on this, this latest situation. Um, and, and I think that 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 the, the people want action. They, they want change. They definitely want change. Um, so what do you think people 
uh, that are in it's a funny thing to say in privileged positions, but it's true. It's it's the privilege, the the white privilege, uh, the people that that are allies. What what would you like to see? What do you think that these people need to do so that so that that they can just not say they support? But what do you think is needed from from people? I just want to jump in and say, you know, Kara Springer is a black uh, visual artist who's mm. from Windsor, mm-hmm. um, who is now based in the States, but she made this beautiful artwork called A Small Matter of Engineering. And what it is, is a, a giant sort of like a freestanding billboard that she had installed at a design school that specifically said white people do something. Mm. And I love that work because basically what she's saying is do something, do anything take action Mm. now is the time to take action now is the time to get involved now is the time to do something to try to address this use white privilege to your advantage and use the privileges that you have in society to push for larger systemic changes what i'm hearing in my communities in my circles you know i'm invested and i'm deeply enmeshed within black activist communities is an, an echoing call to defund the police you know, so use your voice to amplify those messages that are coming from Black and Indigenous communities. You know, what we're saying will make us safe and, and secure and, and use your privilege to try to amplify and support those messages. Mm, good, good good call on that, uh, Cyrus. And, and you know, I, I guess it is. And that's a that's a, 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 a common comment that I remember hearing as well. It, it's that silent majority. It's not about it, of not doing anything. And and of course, there are other people that, that feel, well, I'm afraid to do something I don't want to offend, but just like you said, and I remember seeing that that uh, comment about do something. Don't worry about if it's right, just do something. I've um, I've been spending the last, I want to say week, educating my non-Black friends on how they can help. And I think education mm. is where we need to point our directions at. If we get the education started at a younger age mm. and actually treat this like the important issue that it is the same way other issues are treated and mm-hmm. the same way history is being taught mm-hmm. in Canada. I think it would go a lot farther in the way that our youth are being brought up and what happens when they become adults. I think it's going to take time. I think it's going to take effort, but change the curriculum, get a little more education as to what has happened with the black people in Canada throughout history of us being here. And Educate, 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 and hopefully that'll start to spark and invoke change. Mm. Okay. Jonathan? There's a lot of things that they can do. And I, I, I try not to use the word allies because I find that the word allies sometimes, and, and here's another thing that comes with privilege. They can choose to be an ally, mm. which is part <laughs> of the problem in itself. Right. Because if... Every year I go to my kids' school and I always ask them, do you have, what type of history do you teach? Do you teach indigenous history? Oh, no, sorry, that's not a part of their curriculum. Are you serious? Black history is not part of their curriculum. Mm. And they say, no, it's not. And I even have black teachers who say they don't even want to teach it because they don't even know. So there's a problem. It's not a part of the curriculum. So you're going through life dealing with black people every day of your life but you don't know anything about them. You're not being taught about them. You're not being tested as to your knowledge about what happened. And I'm not talking just the stuff that makes you feel good. Like, you know, the the Martin Luther King speech from 1963 that you love to ram down everybody's throat. 
that that's the only thing he ever talked about in his whole entire life. But you don't talk about the factor is that even though he was for nonviolence, he still was murdered. Mm. That's number one. Number two, as an ally, don't go down to a protest and take a selfie and say, hey, I'm here and send it to me and say, well, okay, I did my part. Don't mm-hmm. do that. Don't, don't mm-hmm. insult me like that. Mm-hmm. Don't do that because that, that infuriates me. If you are a part of change, then be a part of change. Do that. As Cyrus says, do whatever you need to do. By any means necessary, just do it. But don't insult me and say, hey, and take a selfie. This is not a selfie opportunity. This is not a place where you film something. That's like like helping the homeless and needing to take a picture of it. Don't do that. If you're going to help, just do it. Do whatever you need to do. Teach your children to be more inclusive. But to be inclusive, you have to include. Teach them, go somewhere and just go to a library. Use Google not only just to go on and, and, and order something, you know, on Amazon. Use Google for something, you know, find out about who was the first to do this. Look at all the police shootings, investigate them. If you're a lawyer, if, 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 you are, if you are a doctor, whoever you are in society, just be a part of change. You see things happen all the time and you've turned a blind eye till now. Don't do that. Be a part of it. Don't just say, well, hey, you know, hey, whatever. The same vigor that you're in a line at Walmart and you're like, hey, open up another register. I've been waiting here. It's the same way you should be calling mm-hmm. up your politicians say, hey, what you're doing to black people is wrong and you don't have my vote. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, what you're saying there is exactly correct uh, about uh, not being silent and standing up and and doing something and saying something and calling out uh, the wrongs, uh, just as we have to do. And Cyrus, I want to thank you also for for pointing out and, and including Indigenous people in the conversation. Uh, you know, with with Turtle Island and and the way the country was founded with the RCMP, as you pointed out earlier, uh, all those things are important, and they all tie together, of course, uh, in the legacy of the country. And, and um, uh, Jonathan, appreciate all those comments as well. And I know that this is, has been a hard conversation for, for you all. And uh, I, 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 can, I can feel it and I know it. And, and so I think that, you know, hopefully this conversation uh, reaches a couple of people just to get them to sink in to say, yes, uh, we, we need to do something besides, as you say, take a selfie and show up. Uh, it's more than that. It's got to be getting involved in actually doing something that makes a difference. As, uh, as, I, as I hear, uh, some people starting to indicate that more and more, and I, I hope that's a good thing, that those kinds of conversations are going to make people think more about uh, what it is that has to be done in order to correct the situation. I think, you know, with this question of how to make sure that everybody has all of the information that they need to be able to make informed decisions in support of Black and Indigenous people right now, I think that was a great point that was made earlier about education. And I think that right now, if people are looking for resources, there is a tremendous amount that is being put out there. There are course syllabus on on prison abolition, on defunding the police. There is, you know, the amazing work of Tiffany King, who's a Black scholar and writer who writes about fungibility, about the disposability 
visibility of blackness on Turtle Island and how black and indigenous bodies together were brutalized through the process of colonization. There's some amazing reading that you can do to really make sure that you understand what has happened here over the last 500 years and why we are in a situation today where we're seeing a dramatic disregard for black life and a dramatic disregard for indigenous life. So, you know, reading uh, Tiffany King's work, you know, reading some of these course syllabi, you know, doing the research online, there's tons of activism popping up, you know, just find out as much as you can and then get involved. Uh, speaking of that, uh, Cyrus, uh, people can go to uh, Black Lives Matter, uh, the website there to, to find out some information as well standing list of demands that we've been pushing for since 2015. And they include things around police and policing. They include things around anti-blackness in the education system and the medical system, et cetera. There's lots of demands there that you can check out. You can check out our activism and what we're doing and how to get involved. And I like also what you said about art and, and artists and what they are doing um, to, to show. And it, it's a wonder, wonderful way, of course, that we can, we can not only uh, share, but also educate. I mean, artists are our lifeblood. They are literally helping us to imagine the future that we're trying to get to, the one where we're free, the one where we have everything that we need to survive. Artists are literally painting pictures, writing plays, giving songs that tell us about this beautiful future that we're about to go to. So I mean, turn to the artists right now, of course, you know, the artists who are making work about the movement, artists who are making work about activism, about social issues, they, you know, it's such a beautiful way to open a conversation, you know, to have a conversation about a song or a play that you wrote. It's a way of opening a conversation with people who maybe aren't ready for a really hard conversation about race. Well, this is a way to get them started talking. Don't go away. We're going to be right back after this with more right here on Element FM and Moment of Truth. Now back to Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. This is a special Moment of Truth that we are bringing to you. And it is with uh, members, uh, some members of, the, of the, the, the people that work here at Element FM. We have with us online, we have Andrew Johnson, and he is the 106.5 Element FM Toronto station manager, as well as uh, Jonathan Shaw, and he's uh, the Element FM creative and copywriter. And uh, it's a pleasure to have them as well as, uh, of course, uh, Cyrus Marcus Ware. And uh, he is, of course, uh, someone, uh, is one of the, the co-team members of Black Lives That Matter Toronto. Uh, he's also a visual artist, a community activist and researcher and youth advocate and educator. And it's a pleasure to have all of them here on this special uh, Moment of Truth presentation. We appreciate the comments that you have all made so far. But I'm just wondering um, for each of you, what is it that we, we haven't yet talked about or touched on that you feel is important uh, to, to mention? Uh, Andrew? <laughs> We've touched on a lot of subjects today, and I think one of the things that we failed to, not really fail, failed is the wrong word. One of the things that I would like to do touch on is just to make sure you're checking up for fellow Black people to check up on their fellow Black man and their Black woman. Are you okay? Asking those questions, because unfortunately, mental health is not widely discussed in the Black community as much as I think it should be. So I feel like always checking in and checking up on each other to see how we're doing, to see how we're coping, to see how we're dealing with this and opening up a dialogue is something that we need to, to be discussed a lot more. Mm, nicely said. And, and if you don't mind me jumping in on that note, um, 
and I hope you don't mind me mentioning this, yeah, but, but that is something, uh, Andrew, that I saw or felt in, in our conversation when we were having a meeting uh, a week ago and you mentioned this about the George Floyd. I could, I could feel it. I could, mm-hmm. I could hear it in your voice that, that you were not okay. You, you, were, you were hurting. And, uh, and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to do. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those topics that I think since I've become a father has hit me completely different. That I know how I react in a situation, and I know how I can no longer react in these situations because I have dependents, I have people depending on me mm. to continue to provide and support and just be around. Mm. Um, so when you see things like that, George Floyd, he had he had a daughter, mm. and you see he all of these emotions start to run up and catch up with you. And um, there's a, a Greek, there's this Greek mythology of uh, a king that's sentenced to push a stone up a hill only to have it fall back down. Mm. And that is the feeling with me every time I feel like we're getting strides and we're starting to build and we're starting to do well. And then something like this happens and it just brings you right back down mm-hmm. the mountain mm-hmm. bottom. So it, almost puts me in a, a point at that point I was in, I was a little depressed about the situation. Mm-hmm. I was thinking about my own situation and things that have happened in my life. And yeah, no, I, I'm not okay. I'm still not okay, but it's um, something that is being discussed and it's a learning process for me in my new role and a learning process for others who come to me and ask me just to be able to open up about my mental health and making sure that I can talk about these things that trouble me and I can help educate others while doing so and talking about my feelings. So Mm. I think it's a conversation about mental health and how we're coping with constantly seeing visuals of our people getting killed and mistreated and beaten down and discriminated against. It's ways even when you don't realize it's weighing on you, it's weighing on you. I think it all hit me at once after this George Floyd situation. Yeah. Yeah, I think the violence that we see on the daily is is dramatic and of course affects our mental health, it affects our physical health, it affects, you know, our emotional well-being. And I think that, you know, t- this is why we need to be talking about disability justice. We need to be talking about mental uh, a- activism around psychiatric disabilities, you know, because we know that you know, if when, when we get sick, when we get sick from the violence of the system, we actually, who are we supposed to turn to in a, in a crisis? Mm. Usually it's police services, right? Mm. That's who gets called in a mental health crisis situation. So we're, we're trying to do everything we can to avoid being put in a situation where we end up having the police called on us because we're just losing our So, you know, making sure that we have everything that we need to support each other through these really difficult times. And yes, white people, check in on the black people in your life. If you work and you have black colleagues, please don't expect them to be giving you 200% of their work ethic right now because we are distracted. We are fundamentally distracted by the violence that is happening towards our communities and we are getting active and organizing and that is what people are putting their direct energy into. If you are a white person who is in allyship with other black and indigenous people in your life, it's wonderful to call to check in, it's wonderful to text to check in, but also recognize that you you can't just say, what do you need, what do you need? You You need to be offering solutions and offering support because in the moment of, of as you say, these devastate these moments where we're just devastated, it's hard to then also be teaching white people what they should be doing, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, get involved, get active, get organized, and support all of us because these, uh, you know, this, uh, 
not notwithstanding the fact that we're in a pandemic that is already exacerbating our mental health, mm -hmm. you know, that these are violent times and these affect us emotionally and we need support to be able to survive this well. Yeah, um, not okay. Uh, Jonathan, uh, we've been running some, some comments uh, on, on the station about uh, this situation. Uh, you voiced those, those uh, uh, commercials uh, that it's not okay to be okay right now. Um, I did. I yeah. did. And the funny thing is, and um, Andrew doesn't know this, and I hope I'm not stepping on toes, Andrew, by saying this, but Andrew called me when um, I wasn't okay. I, I got mm -hmm. some other bad news and mm -hmm. he's like, Jonathan, I need a promo. I need you to write a promo and I need you to voice it. I'm like, <sighs> mm. but I, I had to, I had to suck it up and I had to do something that I've said many times and I had to use, made my pain, my power mm. and, and having to, to write into voice that promo and I'm still not okay. And the reason why I'm not okay goes a little bit deeper than what we've talked about today. And that is, as a black man who is a father of three, who has to not only support my children, not only has to look in on his parents, not only has to look on the family at large, I'm not getting those calls right now on people checking up on me besides just the general same people who do. Mm -hmm. but, there's, but it goes deeper in the sense that as everyone knows, even though we're talking about the struggle, even though we're talking about fighting, even though we're talking about doing all these different things, there's a group within the black community who is being incredibly apologetic to what's going on right now. It's like they have to appease their white friends, appease mm. their black friends and say, well, hey, you know, yeah, Black Lives Matter, but all that. No, I'm black and delete you. I'm not even trying to hear that conversation. Don't don't come to me with that foolishness. There's people who, even in my own family, who have biracial children who are still trying to be apologetic. And I'm trying to tell you, tell you, listen, when are you getting your black wake-up card? When are you getting it? When are you going to wake up and see what's actually happening? Yes, you have a biracial child, but when a police stops them, they're not saying to them, hey, what are you mixed with? Who are your parents? They're looking at that person as a black child, as a black person. They don't care that you're mixed with this and mixed with that. You have black children. You are married to a black person. They don't care about any of that sort of stuff. They're looking at it that way. And case in point, I have a friend who is, is married to a black man. And generally when they drive somewhere, the man does most of the driving. But as soon as they get to the border to go into the States, she drives. Mm. I'll take my seat on that one. Okay. Uh, I want to thank each of you for uh, taking the time to join us here on Moment of Truth and, and uh, be a part of this special presentation um, about this very important issue and Black Lives Matter and, uh, and, and, and sharing uh, your stories and sharing your uh, your you know what you've each experienced on a daily basis and and uh, hopefully looking at uh, the future and what people can do to help uh, let's end this this horrible horrible situation that we find ourselves still in 
And so I, I just want to say uh, thank you and uh, miigwech and, and, and yawa for to each of you for, for doing that and taking time out of your, your busy uh, days to do so. And, and thank, thank each of you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Thank you. You're very welcome. One thing I, one thing I would like to add, Dave, sure. if you do go to elementfm.ca and you click on the We're Not Okay link, there is a bunch of information on how you can take action and how you can educate yourself on the website. So I encourage everyone to have a look at it, the elementfm.ca and check out which links that you can check out to kind of better educate yourself and how you can help. Great. I appreciate you saying that, Andrew. That uh, voice there was the voice of Andrew Johnson. He is uh, the station manager here at 106.5 FM in Toronto. We also have online with us Jonathan Shaw. He is the Element Creative and Copywriter. And uh, last but certainly not least, uh, Cyrus Marcus, we're also online. We really appreciate him taking the time to join us for this uh, special Moment of Truth presentation. And uh, Cyrus is uh, a, a, a visual artist. He's a community activist, researcher, youth advocate, and educator, and uh, one of the core team members of Black Lives Matter in Toronto. Uh, thank you each uh, once again for joining us on Moment of Truth. And that's our show for today. Thank you, our listeners, for tuning in each and every day here on Moment of Truth and Element FM. We'll see you next time right here on Moment of Truth. This has been Moment of Truth with David Moses. Element. Element. Element FM. Element.